Blog Talk Radio. Stephen B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Oh. 
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Good evening. We're out in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts or my special guests on this radio show, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call at Steve B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now again, This program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host, Isa Mullins, and my special guest speaker, Lonnie Smith, Jr., as they break unto our listeners the bread of life. And also my special guest in the community corner, Deborah York. And she has another guest on with her as well. As they serve our communities with their various talents and gifts, as they uplift our neighbors, we pray that you would bless them and their families that support their efforts. Father, we pray that you would bless our listeners who are tuning in to this radio broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, and that they may consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. It will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be safe? Father, we pray that you uh, thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For without such a sacrifice, We would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful unto death. Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my special guest speaker is Lonnie Smith, Jr. He serves as the evangelist with the East Side Church of Christ there in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He'll be, break, he'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the community corner, my special guest is Deborah York. Uh, she's from High Point, North Carolina. And she has another guest on with her as well. And she told me who he was, and I didn't write his name down, so I, that, that just slipped my mind. But he'll be on with her. In that segment, looking forward to talking to them, talking to them in that community corner segment. And then to close out the show, my co-host, Isa Mullins, he serves here 
the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, but he's just now moving to Apex, North Carolina, so we wish him and his family well in that area. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds, and let's have a great show. After the break, the next portion here will be that of my special guest speaker, Lonnie Smith, Jr. Enjoy the show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough. So rough, so rough. Sometimes it gets tough for me. Has anybody been lonely all by yourself? Has anybody been sad, broken hearted and sad? Have you even been dead? You had to cry all night.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my special guest speaker, Lonnie Smith Jr., and his subject, When Christ Built His Church. I'd like to say good evening to everyone, and I'd like to uh, thank uh, Brother Stevie Butler for inviting me uh, to uh, this broadcast. Uh, Stevie and I are uh, blood cousins, and uh, we have just basically known each other all, all our lives, and I'm glad that he's able to use his talent to spread the gospel. About two weeks ago, a young man asked me a question, and it was a very profound question. He basically asked me, can I intelligently explain what the church is? And I thought that was an excellent question because probably for the most part, the average person just asking that question on the street would not be able to give a full answer. They would probably give an answer like there's a group of people that are spiritual, a group of people that are worshiping God. So with that in mind, I thought about a topic in a way of explaining what is the church by titling it When Christ Built His Church. And what I'd like to do tonight is give you points that you can take with you. If you're a member of the Lord's church, you can take these points and teach it to your families and friends. If you're not a member of the Lord's church, these are going to be some very important points to you so you can investigate more about the church that Christ built. So let's look at this title and let's look at some points that will go with this. When Christ built his church, first of all, with that in mind, his church was eternal purpose. His church was an eternal purpose of God. When we say that, that means before the world began, before God created the heavens and the earth and mankind, God already had it in his mind that Christ would build his church. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11, it states that to the intent that now the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, who God has purposed and proposed in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to say this, that in, in the Greek language, it's letting us know that the church that Christ built is the purpose of the ages. It's the purpose of the ages, meaning that once Christ built his church, that from now on, his church would be the purpose of the ages. But a very important point that, that we want to make clear is that God had it in his mind eternally before any man was created before the creation itself, that Christ will build his church. Let's look at the second point. The second point is that when Christ built his church, not only was it an eternal purpose, but it was prophesied by the prophets. 
In Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2 and following, it says that it should come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord house should be established on top of the mountain and shall be exalted above hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many shall go and say, come, let us go into the mountain of the Lord's house, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now keep this in mind that Isaiah prophesied this seven to 800 years before Christ himself built his church. And if you notice in that context of Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 and following, he says, in the last days, the last days meaning the Christian dispensation, the last days, that the Lord will have a house on top of the mountain and shall be exalted above hills and all nations shall flow unto it. When you look at Acts chapter 2 and you look at that chapter where devout men from every nation assembled in Jerusalem, you look at the history, the background of that, there were at least one million to three million people assembled there on the day of Pentecost. And when those folks heard the gospel, those that believed, those that repented, those that confessed, and those that were baptized for remission of their sins, they were added to the church, about 3,000 souls. So you take this, 1 million people or 3 million people out of 3,000 souls, now that number seems very small because everyone did not obey the gospel. Everyone did not become a member of the Lord's church. And think about that, to see the apostles speaking in tongues back then and preaching the way they were preaching. It, it appears that it should have been so many more people to obey the gospel, but it's like that today. Everyone will not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we think about this, when Christ built his church, first of all, it was the eternal purpose, the purpose of the ages. Second, the prophets prophesied. There are some other prophets like the prophet Daniel in Daniel 2.44, where it says that in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall not be destroyed, and it shall not left, be left to any other people or breaking the pieces. And this kingdom shall last forever. One day there's going to be a kingdom, a kingdom that God will build through his son that everyone will be a member of if they choose to. But if you notice, it only talking about one and only one. Here's something that I want you to pay close attention to, that all the points that I'm going to give you tonight begin with the letter P, eternal purpose prophesied by the prophets. And then the third point we find in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, where Jesus promised himself 
that he will build his church. So if you have your Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and following. And it states that when Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And some said that he was John the Baptist, Elias, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked them, well, whom do you say that I am? And Peter was one that was very outspoken. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And basically when Peter made this statement that you are the Christ, he was making a confession. And I want to make us clear, make a clear point here that when we talk about Jesus as Christ, the Jews under the uh, Jews understood Christ as being the Messiah of the Old Testament, that the Old Testament spoke of the Messiah would come. So here Peter says, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, the one that the Old Testament speaks of. And Jesus says, blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. For thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock meaning small rock, Petra, the confession that Peter made that he was the Christ, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades should not prevail against it. Now, if I was anyone and I knew that Jesus made a promise himself that he would build his church, I would be investigating what does the church that Jesus built look like? When did he build his church? And it's very important that we understand that Jesus made a single possessive statement that the gates of Hades should not prevail against it, meaning that not even death and Hades will prevent the church from being built. So this is a very powerful. Now, look look what we have so far. We have a question. What is the church? We have some answers. When Christ built his church, It was an eternal purpose by God, number one. Second, it was prophesied by the prophets, number two. And number three, it was promised by Jesus himself that he will build his church. As we look at this, there are some subtopics under that promise that I want us to carefully look at that's going to make this point very, very clear. The first point is this, that when Jesus promised to build his church, he is the head of the church. I'm going to give you some scriptures, and I would like you to write these scriptures down. And if you're studying with your friends or family, These are some good scriptures. You can say, hey, these are really good points to make under 
Jesus promised to build his church. He is the head of the church. What does that mean? That he has all authority. He gives the rule. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22 and 23, it says they put all things under his feet and has given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. So the church is the body of Christ. Someone asks, how many bodies? Well, we know from Matthew 16, 18, there's only one because he says it. But Ephesians 4, 4 tells us there is one body. Basically, there is one church, the one church that Christ built. He's the head of the church. In Ephesians 5 and verse 23, husband is the head of his wife, even as Christ also is the head of the church and gave himself for it, or he is the savior of the body, according to verse 23. Verse 25, we'll see later on that he shed his blood for the church, but he is the savior of the body, the one body. In Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church. So you have three passages that, lets us know that the body is the church and that Jesus is the head of that body and he is the savior of that body. So the only way that anyone can be saved, they must be in the body of Christ. Outside the body of Christ, there is no salvation. Let's look at the second point under I promise to build my church, that Jesus gave himself for it. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul talking to the elders at Miletus, said, take heed unto yourselves and to the flock in the which the Holy Spirit have made ye overseers to feed the church of God, which ye have purchased with his own blood. Jesus purchased the church that he built that was prophesied by the prophet that was an eternal purpose. He purchased it with his own blood. Now, can you think of anyone else that can make that claim? And we know that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only blood that can save us from our sins. Ephesians 1, 7 in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. But in Ephesians 5 and verse 25, it says, Husband, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ gave himself for the church. No one else can make that claim. So under Christ's promise to build his church, we have that he is the head of the church, that one body, which is the church. He gave himself for the church. And then the third point that's very important is that there is only one name that it should be named. In Acts 4 and verse 12, it says, Neither there is salvation any other, for there is no other name 
under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. Now, think about this for a moment. Let's take a break and slow up a little bit. Actually, Catholicism started uh, before 606 A.D., but when it came to this area, it was around 606 A.D. by Boniface III. And because people protest Catholicism, and that's where we have the word Protestant, that's where the word Protestant comes from, protest. When they start protesting, many of the churches that started after Catholicism didn't start until the 1600s. But the Lord's Church began on the day of Pentecost, which we'll see in a little bit, at A.D. 33. The church had already been established. And that's why when Jesus told Peter, in that same chapter, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth has already been bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Everything has already been bind and loose. There was no place for any other church except the church that Christ built. So there's no other name. Think about this for for a moment. We have names like Mary, Becca, Eddie. We have Joseph Smith. We have John Wesley. We have John Calvin. We have all these names that are denominational names. Do you not know, according to Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, that every knee shall bow, the things in heaven, the things in earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. All these folks that I just named will have to bend on their knees themselves that Jesus is Lord. Ephesians 1 and verse 21 lets us know that his name is above every name. Every name. And you think for a moment that folks, they, I think the religious world has just said, well, it really doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. There was a situation that, that took place. I, I was teaching at a school of preaching, and one of the students had the same name that I had, the first name. His name was Lonnie Jones, and my name is Lonnie Smith. And he went to a place that I had been in the past, and he preached. And the members of the church knew that knew knew me, and the elders wrote a check. And on that check, they wrote Lonnie Smith. He really didn't look at that check, and when he went to the bank, when he signed his name, and they looked at that name that was on the check, Lonnie Smith, they said, you're not Lonnie Smith. You're Lonnie Jones. Where's Lonnie Smith? So he came to me. He said, Brother Lonnie, I have a situation. I can't get my check cash because it has your name on it. Would you cash my check for me? I said, I sure will. I went to the bank, 
I didn't have any problem. Now, isn't it interesting how we can accept this illustration, which was a real live illustration, and we know that banks look at those those names. You can't even sign if the wrong person signed the check, they would not accept it. Why can't we look at the Lord's church so much more serious and not take it that God is just going to accept any way, any church? We we hear this phrase and slogan, any church will do. Well, actually what people are really saying, that any Christ will do, and that's not true. There's only one Lord, Jesus Christ, and he built his church. It had an eternal purpose. It was prophesied by the prophets. He promised himself he would build his church. He is the head of the church. He gave himself for the church. And there is no other name that one can be saved except through Christ. Well, let's look at the fourth point tonight. Another P. It was established on the day of Pentecost. It was established on the day of Pentecost. We can use another P word there because it was established on the day of Pentecost because of the apostles preaching. Because of the apostles preaching. In Acts chapter 2, Peter gave a discourse of the resurrected Lord and that he is sitting on the throne, verses 29 all the way to verse 35. And then in verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, They said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered them and said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as we look on to verse 40, 41, that many other words did he testify and exalt, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And, And basically, That's what we are talking about tonight. If you want to be saved, if you want to be in the right place, you need to obey the gospel. And if you obey the true gospel of the New Testament, it's going to put you in the Lord's church. If you notice there in verse 41, it says, Many that gladly received his word were baptized and was added unto them that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people were baptized for the remission of their sin. And in verse 47, praising God and having faith with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Well, how were they being saved? By the preaching of the apostles. They obeyed the gospel. And what day was it on? On the day of Pentecost that we read about that, 3,000 souls. And from that day on, those that were being saved were added to the church. That makes a very important point. You have, they were added to that number 
there in verse 41, and then in verse 47, even those after Pentecost, when they obeyed the gospel, they were added to the church that Christ built. Isn't that wonderful? And just think about that. The first point I gave you that the church is the purpose of the age, that means from now on, from that day, from A.D. 33, from now on, until the end of this world, the only way that we can be saved and, and be right before God is that we must obey the gospel and be added to the church that Christ built. I want to make a point here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, it says, For by one spirit are we all... Notice that, A-double-L, all baptized into one body. We already stated what the one body is in Ephesians 4.4. It is the church. One body. And we are baptized into that one body. You must be baptized for the remission of your sins. So as we go back, let's go back, and as you are studying with your friends and your family members, take your time, read these scriptures to them, and show how the church began. So first of all, we would say that it was it had an eternal purpose, purpose of the age, Ephesians 3, 10, and 11. Verse 21 there of Ephesians 3 says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. It didn't mention any other other name, so you can add that verse also. And then the second point, you want to turn to the Old Testament and show in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 and following, that Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus promised to build his church, says that the mountain of the Lord's house should be established on top of the mountain. And where will it start? In Jerusalem. And we know it started in Jerusalem when we looked in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And then the third point that you're going to look at is that Jesus himself promised to build his church in Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 18. And under that, you will show that he's the head of the church, that one body, that he gave himself for it, and that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And then the last point, you're going to show when it was established on the day of Pentecost, Verse 41, they were added 3,000 souls. And even after Pentecost in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. What a blessing. Someone may ask, why are you a member of the Lord's church? The Bible is so plain. There's no way that anyone can really refute this. It's so clear and so plain. And I really hope that those that are listening, that 
those that have not become a Christian and have not found the Lord's church that you, as Brother Butler mentioned, that they can get that information to you. And you need to seek out the right church. If you're not a Christian and you desire to be a Christian tonight, you must obey the gospel by hearing the word, as you heard tonight, by believing that Jesus saves, by changing your mind. Change your mind about that any any way goes or, or, or any church uh, do. That's man's doctrine. You need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and then be baptized for the remission of your sin. What what happened when when you are baptized for the remission of your sin? You're going to be just like those on the day of Pentecost. The Lord is going to add you to the church that Christ built. I'd like to thank you for this time, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to preach the gospel. Thank you. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation. And what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. Thinking about what you've done for me in my life I just want to say what you really mean to me You're my everything, my joy and peace You're the reason why I sing Lord, I don't deserve anything you give me So I just gotta say thank you oh, What's nice with your love and grace So I just gotta tell you this mm-hmm. I will always
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. The Community Corner. Ladies and gentlemen, the Community Corner is designed to just simply tell our listeners just what products and services are being offered in our communities and how you can get in contact with these various vendors for their services. Ladies and gentlemen, you'd be surprised to know just who's sitting among us in our congregations and what services they have to provide. This is one of my favorite segments because we just get a chance to hear people are doing around us to serve in our communities. We've had people on this broadcast who are involved in financial services, who are involved in legal services. They're authors, uh, college consultants, professional boxers. Uh, We've had uh, NFL players who are community activists. We've had casting producers, TV, uh, cast producers of television shows, farmers, comedians, you name it. We've had them on this broadcast. Now, um, my special guest in the community corner this evening is my dear sister and friend. We grew up together at the Augur Avenue Church of Christ there in High Point, North Carolina. Deborah York, welcome to the community corner, and also her co-worker there, Leon Warren II. Now, I failed to mention your name, Leon, at the beginning of the broadcast because I had completely forgotten what your name was, and I apologize for that. But Leon is from Greensboro, North Carolina. I want to welcome you two to the community corner. Thank you, Stevie. Um, I appreciate you giving us this time to speak on financial service, and it was right on time because April is Financial Literacy Month. Oh, okay. Um, so this is right on time. Amen. And I, I thank you. And I, I thank, thank you for well, why don't you introduce yourselves now to our listeners and just tell us about what it is that you do to serve our community. Okay. I'm, my name is Deborah York. Um, I'm a financial service advisor. I um, basically I go out and educate um, families, people on how money works. Um, like I said, this month is uh, financial literacy, so we are working on setting up some webinars, you know, just to educate people because there is a need out here. Most people don't understand how it works. So um, I've been doing this for a while. Okay, and to piggyback on the back of that, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Leon Warren II, and I, too, am a financial services representative. And um, I just wanted to tell you our mission statement is to help families earn more income and become properly protected, debt-free, and financially independent. And those uh, are some powerful concepts amongst themselves individually. And we take it and work work synergistically in order to come put together a total financial program so that people can be, achieve those goals uh, as they go through uh, the aging process. And so that they can have a comfortable, happy retirement. I do do have a question for you. Now, do you all go into uh, churches? And provide these services. Yes, we yes. do. We do. Complimentary. Okay. Yes, okay. we do complimentary. Uh, we're going to churches and do complimentary um, well, um, seminars for the church um, people, and also we um, have um, we we can do a complimentary financial needs analysis which shows you where you're at so that you can get to where you want to be. Okay. 
Sounds good. Sounds good. We do a lot of processes and corporations as well. And uh, basically what we do is we teach people, individuals and businesses, how to build a financial house. And uh, that starts with the the foundation, which is uh, protecting the income or income protection. And uh, we use uh, an insurance product for that uh, to make sure that uh, we can replace the individual's income if uh, an unforeseeable death or in terms of the uh, when death occurs, because no one, we know not the hour nor the moment nor the time, and so we just want to make sure that we can protect the income so that the family does not incur a financial loss due to the paycheck being mm-hmm. stopped. Now, tell me something. How have you all been moving through this pandemic this last two years? We've been doing everything on Zoom. Okay. And people so, love it because they're not in their house and they don't have a risk of exposure <laughs> and that type of thing. So, yeah. I mean, let's let's be real. Everybody yeah. wants to stay safe. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 the, so the masses are receptive to your message. Absolutely, they, they our business has grown exponentially uh, by way of Zoom, uh, like okay. a lot of other uh, businesses out here in the United States has done. You know, because uh, it was high tech, but also high touch. You can see, talk, hear, and then we can also, you know, with the visual stimulation in terms of uh, the uh, instruments, the visuals that we can provide, you know, that it's an engaging process. And so it's worked out well for us. Now, are you all um, educating the masses on cryptocurrency? (laughs) No. No, although we're securities licensed, but we do not uh, we don't deal with that particular uh, venue. Okay. Now, how can my listeners get in contact with you? They want to uh, get more information from you. They can contact me at three three six three nine two nine five one zero. Leon, you can give your number if you like. Okay, fantastic. My number is 866-751-7179. Now, do you all have That's websites? You have websites? Yes. Uh, we do. Go ahead, Deborah. Okay. Um, my website is, is, um, is www.primerica. P R I M E R I C A dot com forward slash D as in Deborah York Y O R K. Okay, go ahead, Leon. All right, and mine is Leon dot Warren dot I I small letters at Primerica dot com and that's p r i m e r i c a dot com like well, America De- but with a primary well, well Deborah and Leon I want to thank you both for joining us on the community corner and sharing your services with us this evening certainly appreciate it we appreciate it. Thank you to allow us to be on it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for the my co-host, Isa Mullins. He's up next.
the community corner. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. There's a story of an old sister who would come to church every Sunday. It was pain aching in her body. She would struggle from the back of the church all the way to the front pew, sometimes with tears streaming from her eyes. And one day, one of those young sisters got beside her sister. And she told that old sister, sister, if you're in so much pain, why don't you just turn around and just stay home sometimes? That old sister just held her Bible close and said these words. As I read the stories of old, and I look at old man Joe, she lost everything that he had. One day Now can't you see him as he spoke with his wife When she said you ought to curse your God and die I can't imagine with tears in his eyes I can hear Joe say I won't let No sickness, no sorrow, no pain. See, this is what I've learned. You see, when times in life get hard, that's when you ought to fall down and worship God. So I won't let nothing, no, 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 no. She told us, she said, before I take it back, I'll add more stuff out though. Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the king said, better bow down before that image that day. Thank you. 
Listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host Isa Mullins and his subject, How Big is Your God? Amen, amen. Good evening. Good evening to everyone out there listening this evening. I want to thank Brother Steve Butler for giving, the, uh, giving me another opportunity and a platform on which to uh, become better on preaching the word of God, to spread the word to a dying world. I want to say I hope that everyone's doing well, and if you're not doing well, you're at the right place, and you're at the right time. God bless you. Tonight, I want to uh, approach you with the title of How Big Is Your God? How Big Is Your God? My brothers and my sisters, how you handle life depends on how big you believe God is. If he's too small, you will live in constant anxiety, thinking everything depends on you. Your outlook will be dictated by your surroundings, or worse, your critics. Without the acceptance of a loving God, you will always be a slave to other people's opinions. You constantly crave recognition because you don't understand that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, Matthew 6 and 4. Author John Ortberg says that when we make the mistake of shrinking God, we offer prayer without faith, work without passion, service without joy, and suffering without hope which results in fear, retreat, loss of vision, and failure to persevere. When Goliath threatened the Israelites, they were dismayed and greatly afraid, 1 Samuel 17 and 11. They did not think that their God was big enough for the job, but not David. Let no one's heart fail. Your servant will fight this Philistine. The Lord who saved me from the lion and the bear will save us now. 1 Samuel 17, 32 and 37. You can face anything when you know what David knows. The battle belongs to the Lord. And he's never lost one yet. My brothers and sisters, tonight I challenge you to examine your God. Is your God a politician? And if your God is a particular politician, can he deliver? Can this politician heal your body? Has this politician visited you in the hospital and prayed over you? 
Is the truth in them, and are they truth? Is your God your job? Have you been worshiping diligently, not knowing if you will be laid off or not? Is your God money? Do you have enough money to save your soul? Can your money deliver you from depression? Can your money pull you out of sin? Can your money be there for you in the midnight hour when no one else understands or is available? Let me answer that for you this evening. None of these so-called gods are there. These so-called gods are small, limited, and fleeting. When your politician starts lying and your money leaves you crying, there's only one God on whom I am relying. On John 8:58, it tells me that Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Isaiah 9 and 6 tells me that he is my counselor, tells me that for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. My brothers and sisters, tonight I need to let you know how big my God is. My God is big enough to forgive the unforgivable. How many times has someone done something to us and we seem to never be able to let it go or to see that person any differently, no matter what changes that person has done or how many times they have asked for forgiveness? That person who has done wrong and it Seems like you can never get, they can never get clean or forgive yourself. So you fall deeper and deeper into self-loathing, insecurity, and depression. And many go so far as to actually kill themselves, seeing no other way out. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and 14 reads, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek my faith, face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Matthew chapter 5, 23-24 says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Matthew 6 and 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And lastly, Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Come now, let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. My brothers and my sisters, please know that my God is bigger than any sin that you have done. He loves you so much that he stands there and he stands here with his arms wide open 
ready to receive you back home. And for those of us who find it hard to forgive others, remember, we all need forgiveness every day for every single hour. So we cannot afford to hold back forgiveness when we need it ourselves. The second half of Colossians 3.13 has the perfect answer. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. God has forgiven us, and not just for the small, insignificant things. He forgave us everything. Jesus died on the cross to forgive every offense you and I have ever committed against God or our fellow humans. If we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, God has already forgiven us without hesitation, exception, or quid pro quo. Whatever we have done and whatever our motivation was, he forgives us, and he expects us to do the same. In Matthew 18, Peter asked the Lord how many times should he forgive someone who sinned against him. Should he be willing to forgive someone seven times? And Jesus said unto him, Seventy times, seven times. For those of you who are math majors, I, I, I kind of estimate that out to be 490. But I feel like Jesus wanted me to keep going on past that because I know that he wasn't, and he does not keep a tally on my sins. Amen? Jesus then told a parable about a certain servant who borrowed millions of dollars from the king and could not pay it back. The king forgave him and he canceled his debt. I want to I, I dwell on that for just a couple of seconds. And I want you to understand that the king forgave him and canceled his debt. How many of us ever taken out a loan or borrowed some money from a financial institution and had some kind of significant trouble in paying it back and you got on the phone and you called them up and they said, you know what, we're going to give you a little more time and you have continued in that financial situation and you have to make another phone call and you have to ask again and they seem a little irritated but they give you another opportunity to pay it back. But I want you to understand what's going on in this situation. The king not only forgave him for not paying it back, but he then canceled his debt. But then the servant would not and could not forgive his co-workers. He, he must have gotten some kind of amnesia. He, he must have bumped his head. He must have lost his mind because right after he got out of that trouble and right after he wiped the sweat off his brow from being in front of the king who could have thrown him and his family in jail, he ran over to one of his co-workers, co-workers who owed him a few thousand dollars. And when the king heard what happened, he was upset and he was incensed and he was angry and couldn't believe what he heard and called the servant and had him brought in and he punished him for not showing the same mercy in his heart that the king had demonstrated. Lord have mercy. Have any of us on the horn tonight? Have you ever been that servant? Do you know 
your sins have been washed away from the blood of Jesus Christ. And then you experience something and you hold it over that person's head. And you keep it in their heart because something in your heart is telling you that if I forgive them, if I let it go, if I, if I tell them it's okay, then it shows how weak that I am. But I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, that God is so strong that he sent his only begotten son and hung him on the cross. And he not just told him to get on that cross. He, I remember Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he said, you know what? I know I got to bear the sins of, of the people, but it's going to separate me. It's going to separate us. And I've never been apart from you. You've been my guide. But you know what? Somewhere on down the line, there's going to be a person that, that named Isom Mullins. And the third is going to need you um, one night of 4-12-2022 at 7.13 p.m. He's going to need you to forgive him. And if, if I don't get on that cross, he's not going to have forgiveness and without forgiveness he's going to be forever lost and I hope that he remembers what I've done for him my brothers and sisters Jesus showed Peter that no matter how large the offense is or how often someone hurts us God expects us to forgive In Matthew 18, excuse me, in Ephesians 4.32, the Bible tells me to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. But someone uh, might be on the phone tonight, and I hope that you hear me and hear me good, because many many of us have been wounded at one time or another and uh, that wound has changed you to that person and you feel like if if I take off these chains uh, I I lose if I attempt to forgive and I attempt to forget this person will run free free to run and and be happy and and just forget about how they treated me. I'm going to tell you tonight that the only way that you should be, you need to release the offender to God. You are not the judge or the executioner. You need to release the offender to God. Repent of your desire to punish or take revenge. Let God deal with the offense. Focus on today rather than the past. Let the offender go. i say it one more time. Let the offender go. Declare God as judge over the person and the situation. Romans 12 and 19 says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I'm going to give you something else to think about before I leave this evening. Bless the offender. I say it again. I want to say it so you understand me and know that I'm being for real when I give give this order. I'm saying to you tonight, bless the offender. 
Apply God's forgiveness. Trust and reconcile when possible. But realize that forgiveness does not always mean we have to relate to that person in the future. In some cases, this is not possible. No God's protection and no God's justice. We are God's called out peace people who know who we are in Christ, and we walk in love with God and one another. We become partakers of his resurrected life. Forgiveness is essential if we want to walk in personal and corporate revival. Now, I want to remind you tonight of the title of My God Being Bigger. I want to say tonight, I want to confess tonight, I want you to hear me say tonight that my God is bigger than any problems, any pain, any depression, or any evil. Trouble comes in all forms, family problems, financial problems, emotional stress, or personal illness, just to name a few. Sometimes it seems like an onslaught of bad situations, and other times it's little things that happen every now and then. Troubles are what we call them, but God calls them trials and testings. We are not to cope with our troubles. We are to give them to God. First Peter chapter 5, 6-7 tells me to, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all which is all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Second Corinthians chapter 1, 3-4 says, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us all in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves comforted by God. Second Corinthians chapter one, three through four. Isaiah forty one, ten through thirteen says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. My God is big enough. Disaster came from my left and disease from the right. My God is big enough to protect me through the night. The giants may rage and the seas may swell. My God tells me not to fear, for he cannot and will not fail. I have been sick, but disease had to flee. My God was too big for it to take hold of me. Depression casted a curtain over my face, but all the pain my God erased. My brothers and sisters, in the name of God, all evil has to run. Because of my Father, the Holy Ghost, and the Son, my God told me if I would focus on Him, He would be my guide. That's why I keep the Holy Ghost deep inside. No matter what this world may bring or how anyone can figure, my God is and always will be bigger. Dear friends, First Peter chapter 4, 12 through 13, 
Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening. Instead, be very, very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the great, wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. My brothers and my sisters, when we give something to God, it feels wonderful because we are essentially leaving and giving the burden, the worries, and the cares of that thing over to him. We are doing what Philippians 4 and 6 instructs us to do, which is not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when we do this, we feel an overwhelming peace knowing that it is in his hands, which is what the next verse explains will happen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The problem lies, however, when we take it back, when we take back that thing that we gave to him in the first place, whether it be taking back control of something we surrendered to God or trying to take care of ourselves in that area, trying to figure it out our own way, when we initially ask God for his direction. All of these things will cause us to take back the very thing that we gave to God. My brothers and sisters, if you found yourself burdened down, anxious, or worried about any area of your life, I believe this message is for you. God wants you to know tonight that you were never meant to handle everything on your own, which is why you feel so weighed down with the cares of this life. If you haven't already, pray about that thing that you're worried about, and then release it to God. God sits there outside your door, beside your bed, inside your car. I remember the song I used to hear it when I used to be at Eastside Church of Christ, and I heard that old song, Somebody is Knocking at Your Door. Oh, sinner, won't you open that door? Somebody needs to let it go tonight. You need to know that he has promised to take care of you. Ask him to show you if there is anything you can do and leave the rest to him. But my brothers and sisters, if you've already prayed about it and given any area of your life to the Lord, but you find yourself still worrying about it, then it is most likely because you've tried to take care of that thing instead of completely releasing it. Recognize that he has promised to handle whatever concern, and you are giving your problem over to someone who has handled lions fire and giants oh my and so he cannot will not and never let you down remember tonight if you forget everything else remember that God is bigger than all of your problems and all he wants to do is take control of your life and give you rest and give you peace I pray that something has been said this evening in the midst of us on this podcast that has caused someone to think, 
Lord, there's so many things going on right now with this pandemic and with these uh, political arenas and with this uh, cancel culture and with the social media with so many people trying to get your attention and so many problems and so many issues and so many visions that we have that we sometimes you find yourself not being able to rest and sometimes you find you're asking yourself, what is going to happen next? What is going to happen to me? I want to tell you tonight that God has a plan. He had a plan before you were born, and he has a plan right now. If you're here, once you have heard the word according to John 6:45, not only should you hear it, you should believe it according to Romans 1 and 16 and Romans 10 and 10. And after you hear and believe, you need to repent according to Luke 13 and 3 and Acts 17 and 30 and 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. And once you've heard the word and believe the word and repent, you need to confess according to Acts 5 and 37 and Romans 10 and 10 and Matthew 10:32. And then you must go down in the water completely immersed in baptism, Mark 16 and 16 and Acts 2 and 38, because a little sprinkle ain't going to get it. We must, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we must do what Jesus did. And Jesus was baptized by John, and he went all the way up, and he came all the way up. And I remember God said, this is my beloved son. Galatians 3 and 27 confirms that we are to have baptism. Then at the very end, Revelations 2 and 10 says, be faithful unto death. Once again, I want to thank you for listening this evening, and I pray that you let it go, because with these uncertain times that you have here on this earth, there should be one person that you trust, and that is God. We have the time. We have the time. All we have right now is the time. Seven 26 is the time on the clock, and that is all the time that you know that you have. Let go of the past. Let go of the pain and trust in God, the creator of all and the one that loves you. God bless you, and have a wonderful evening. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. It was my grandma's touch on my grandma's mind. You knew me, brother, in my grandma's time. But I sure wish I could go back to those days and times. Now, now, now. I don't know if it was my grandma's touch of my grandma's mind. You know, maybe because I was looking through a little boy's eyes. But I sure thought things were better than they seem to be now. How in the world, how love, again I'd like to see love, respect, and dignity in our society, as the whole world gone crazy, things of the past, like youthful innocence. If only my eyes could see Things that my young heart believed Now we see too much When we're much too young Twelve years old and you're gonna be full grown 
from the Lord Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in the study of God's Word. I want to thank both of my speakers on the show tonight, my special guest speaker, Lonnie Smith Jr., and my co-host, Isa Mullins, and also my guests in the community corner, Deborah York and Leon Warren II. Certainly appreciate them joining us on the broadcast. I appreciate everyone who participates on this radio broadcast on a weekly basis. What a blessing it is to be able to put on a program such as this. It's my prayer that the lessons that were taught on this program have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning into this radio show, but you've also given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real Real good. You've been listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. On behalf of my co-hosts, Isa Mullen, Shauna Otis, and Lou Gibbs, and Kelly Fletcher, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. I'm going home. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going home.
from the Lord Radio Show.
around, Lord. That's why I call you, because you'll never let me down. All this pain and misery that I go through, I just smile, because I know you pull me through. Lord, my good days and my bad days, you were always there. A love like yours, no one else can compare. That's why I praise you and thank you, Lord, every day. Lord, that's why, that's why I love to call your name. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.